Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our series on James entitled Walk This Way, and this week we are being led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott. Just a reminder that you can get the other installments in this series on our website, ccgf.org, as well as our app, which is available on Android and iOS devices. You can also catch up with us on all of the usual social media places, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, under the handle ccgf01. Now, here is Pastor Jared with today's message. Thank you for listening. Well, what a fantastic service, huh, this morning. Uh, I almost wish, uh, <laughs> I, don't know if you're, I don't know if you're clapping for me to be up here or Watoto, but uh, nonetheless, uh, excited for Watoto. I mean, the fact that those kids are up here, I just wanted them to keep going. It was exciting. Tonight, 6 o'clock, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an hour, just an hour and 15 minutes long uh, this evening concert, and it's going to be full of that. Uh, you have kids doing solos and dance routines and singing. What a great opportunity is for us as a church to get behind that. They were here many, many years ago. I remember that. And uh, it's exciting that you, they can be back here and join us again uh, for a concert tonight. So I encourage you to come out tonight, um, be part of that, uh, support them, and uh, have a good night uh, tonight. It's going to be a fun evening. But with that, let me pray for us as we look at God's Word this morning. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that today we can celebrate Pentecost, Father, as it is Pentecost Sunday, Lord. Thank you for the fact that you not only died for us, but you rose again. And that you come back for us, Father. That you send your Holy Spirit to move us. So, Father, we thank you. And, Lord, we do thank you for this book of James. How it teaches us to live life. How to walk this way. How to walk out this life. in the fact that we believe you, we love you, we want to follow after you. And, Lord, we understand that this life is, is difficult. It's hard. We're faced with cultures and pressures and all kinds of other stuff all the time, Lord. And it is difficult. It is difficult to walk the way you want us to live. But Lord, we thank you for the book of James and how it teaches us to take one step at a time. Teaches us what it looks like to really walk out this life. Lord, so thank you. I pray that you impress upon us this message. And Lord, as we're going to look at today, that we won't just be hearers of the word, we'll be doers of it. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, you know, if you've been with us the past few weeks, we're in this new series called Walk This Way. My name is Jared Ott, by the way. I'm a senior pastor, and so glad that you're with us, because this series is really about how do we live out this life? You know, back, if you were here with us for, the, uh, for a number of months back in the beginning of the year, we were talking about what we, what we believe. We talked about the life of Jesus, and we went through all those uh, various encounters through the book of John And we looked at why we believe what we believe. Now we say, okay, well, how do we live that out? How do we actually apply this to our life? And this, the past two weeks has been fantastic. Pastor Jamie uh, kicked this series off and talked about uh, the first really test of a, of a believer. The first test was his response to trials. How do we respond to trials in life? And last week, if you were here, Ed Glover was here and he, he talked about our response to temptation. How do we deal with temptation in our life? And this week is really the third test, is how do we respond to listening and doing? How do we respond to God's word? You know, it's, it's always amazing that we come in on Sundays or we go to our Bible studies and a lot of this information we, you know, we hear and we, 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 we see as information, but it really doesn't impact us. It just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. You know, we are, we are listening to God's word, but are we actually doing it? We don't always hear things. 
We also don't always act upon it. I know, because I've been in this too, where you come into church, you've got all kinds of distractions going on, and you'll see the, the music or the choir, or you start thinking about what's going to happen the rest of the day or the rest of this week, or you're thinking about last night, and all these distractions. So we don't always hear things, nor do we act upon them. I think if in life, if we were really were listening every intently every day to the, to the sermon or what we read in the scriptures, our lives would be a lot easier. But we don't always hear things. In fact, there was a real famous story, true story, of Franklin Roosevelt. He was a president uh, who was, uh, when he was the president, was enduring long receiving lines, okay, so at the White House. So he would, it was the time when people would come in and they would greet him. And uh, he was complaining uh, during this time that no one was ever really paying attention to him. That they were coming in and they were distracted by like the being in the White House and all the different stuff that was going on. So <laughs> after many months, one day he, just, he, he decided to try an experiment. This is a true story. So because he, he, was, he was convinced nobody was actually listening to him or acting upon anything he said to him, he thought he would tell people the same thing. So one day, they came in line, and everybody lined up, and as he was shaking hands with everybody, this is, he, true story, he actually said to them, he goes, good morning, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And people were coming, and the guests were responding like, marvelous, or isn't that great, or keep up the good work, or great idea, or we're proud of you, or God bless you, sir. And every person that went through that line for receiving line, he would say that, good morning, I killed my grandmother this morning. And everybody responded the same way. And in fact, it was only the last person in line, and this happened to be the day, it was an ambassador from Bolivia who came in, who actually heard him. And he said, you know, this morning I killed my grandmother. And taken back a bit, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, well, I'm sure she had it coming. But he was convinced that nobody was listening. Everybody was just distracted by what was going on in the White House. I think sometimes we come to church or we get into our Bible studies or we even try to do our own devotions. We get distracted, don't we? We get distracted. And James really lays it out for us in this passage. How do we actually listen to the word? And then how do we apply it? How do we listen to it? And how do we apply it? First, we've got to realize we need to listen to God's word very carefully. Very carefully. If you have your Bibles, your service sheets, Pastor Mike just read this. It's verse 19. It says, be, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We've got to listen very carefully. Uh, there was a man, Ch- uh, Chuck Swindoll. Many of you know them. He, many of you know this man, a great theologian. He found himself... Uh, Many commitments in, in, in too many days, and he got nervous and tense, and he said he was snapping with his wife and his children, choking down the food at mealtimes, feeling very irritated. How many men and women have we gotten to that point where there's just so many pressures on us? He said, before long, things around the home started reflecting the, the pattern of my hurry-up lifestyle. It was unbearable. And then he said, one evening, I remember this story. He was at, he was at dinner with his family, and the words of his young daughter, Colleen, she wanted to tell, he says this, she wanted to tell me something important that had happened to her at school that day. So she began hurriedly, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I, I need to tell you really fast. Suddenly realizing her frustration, I answered, Honey, you can tell me, and, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. And he says, I'll never forget her answer. She said, Then listen slowly. Listen slowly. 
when it comes to God's word, we need to be very careful in how we listen. And James lays it out. First, we've got to be quick to hear. Quick to hear. We've got to seize every opportunity, don't we? Every opportunity to want to hear God's word. And that may come from Sunday mornings. It may come through Bible studies. It may come through our own devotions. But we've got to take every occasion, every single occasion we can to hear God's word. Some of us come on Sunday mornings and then are flooded with things throughout the week. How many of us are taking time on a regular basis to really read God's word? Quick to hear. Secondly, it says right there in the scriptures, as you just read, everyone should be quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to speak. You can't listen carefully if you're the one always doing the talking. I know I, uh, in my own devotional life, sometimes I, sometimes I get to the point of where we, we're just praying and we're we're praying and we're just talking and talking and talking about all the different things going on in life, or anxieties, or fears, or concerns, or questions we have. And it was a few months ago that I realized, you know what, I'm, I'm the one doing all the talking here. I'm not really being quiet to listen to what God's telling me. Some of us come into church with all kinds of distractions going on in our head. And we think, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, or God, you've got to give me answers for this, or I'm not sure about my marriage or my job, or I'm not sure about the, the next step I should take. We're the ones doing all the talking. My question to you is, are you slow to speak? Are you listening to God's word intently? Are you listening? That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? I know Pastor Jamie does this really well. He He'll have really intentional times about just being quiet, and he calls it that awkward silence, and it bothers me. But he's trying to be very intentional about, okay, let's just have an awkward silence so that we're quiet, so God can really speak to us. In fact, this uh, this week I was on the phone with a, a gentleman who I know is going through a lot of stuff, a lot of big decisions. And there's a lot of distractions going on with, with the family. Not bad distractions, just a lot of distractions. Where he's getting pulled in different directions from the job and the family and going from one place to another. And he's got to make a pretty big decision. And I remember thinking on the phone, you know, I could do a lot of talking here, but I'm just going to be quiet for a moment. We're going to be quiet. We're going to pray and we're just going to have a moment of silence. We're going to let God speak to us. How many of us do that? It's tough in this culture, isn't it, to really be quiet. We've got to listen. Third, not only do we have to listen carefully by quick to hear, slow to speak, but we also have to be slow to become angry, don't we? Slow to become angry. You know, one of the things about Scripture is it often will offend us if we're living contrary to it. If we're living a certain way and we hear something in Scripture, a lot of us will get angry. We'll get angry because we're not really living out the, those lifestyles. I remember a few years back, uh, there was a uh, uh, person in our church, a uh, couple, who left the church because they didn't like the fact that we were talking about pro-life, about the idea that, that God created and knit us together in our mother's womb. We do this uh, every January. We talk about the, the, the powerful impact of that, that we all have a purpose. And they got so angry. I remember them saying, listen, we're not going to come back to the church because uh, you guys are, and they said, you're being too political. And I remember talking to them, I said, it's not a political issue, this is a moral issue. 
And to come to find out, they weren't really angry that we were being political. They were just feeling guilty about some of the stuff that they've done in their past. And they became so angry. So angry. A lot of us become angry when we hear topics uh, discussed here in church. We become angry about that. We become angry when they'll, they'll say to the church, they're talking too much about money, or they're talking too much about serving, or they're talking too much about how to live rightly. They're so legalistic. Listen, these aren't our words. We are going right from Scripture. That's what I love about what we do here on Sunday mornings. The pre- preachers that are preaching are going right from the Scriptures themselves. And we do get angry. We get frustrated. But you know what's great? Is that we can look at our own life and go, you know what? I'm obviously living contrary to what the Bible is saying. But there's healing and there's restoration there, isn't there? There's healing and restoration. That's what the scriptures are all about. It's not about the rules that we follow. That there's healing and restoration. If we're really listening to the scriptures, we're listening and we're understanding that the Lord Jesus, he came down and he died for us to to wipe away the sin in our own life. And that's why when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgives us and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. So if you are feeling at any point in your life angry about what's happening or what we say or the scriptures themselves, understand that maybe God's actually really speaking to you and he wants to root those things out in life. That's why we have people that will pray with you after the service as well. Because we know that there's things in our life. There's no, we know that there's things from the past. And we say every Sunday, listen, maybe God's speaking to you today through the music or the word and you need some prayer. That's why we say that. Because we understand that God's going to speak to us differently every Sunday. That's what's great about God's word. It's restoration there. So we need to listen to God's word very carefully. Are you listening carefully? Next we see that we need to listen to God's word living rightly. Living rightly. Look at verse 21. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. I love the word for filth there. It actually is a, it's a term closely related to the, to the word wax that you build up in your ear. I, I know my wife cannot stand earwax with myself or my children, so she's constantly with those Q-tips. And it strikes the fear of God in our eyes because she walks around with those Q-tips. And she jokes that, you know what? Maybe if you guys would clean out your ears some more, you'd actually hear what I'm saying to you. I think she's talking to me more than the children. But isn't that the truth? The moral filth. There's sometimes, there's so much stuff in your ears. There's sometimes so many things that we're living that we really can't hear the word of God. We know we're living contrary to God's word. We're doing things. We're having actions or attitudes. And we can't actually listen if we're living a life that has moral filth and evil. How can you listen? How could you listen if you know for a fact that what you're doing is so wrong? So contrary to God's word. That's why we come and we give it back to the Lord. Say, Lord, forgive me. Heal me of this area in my life. Because I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Are you living rightly? Thirdly, we need to listen to God's word with humility. With humility. Look at the last part of verse 21. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I love the word humility because it's really the idea of being teachable, isn't it? 
Some of us think that, no, listen, we're, we're beyond that. We don't need the scriptures. We know what we're doing. We're living the way we want to live. It's making us happy. If we don't, if we don't come in with the idea of being humble into church, into a Bible study, or in devotions, we will never hear from God because we will think that we are already doing the right thing. We've got to come in humbly. We've got to come in saying, Lord, teach me what I don't know today. Lord, speak to me in a way that I wouldn't know. Lord, help me have a teachable spirit. Are you humble? Are you humble? I was talking to a gentleman this week, too, who was really touched by Ed Glover's sermon last week about going through uh, temptations. Going through temptations. He realized that he was going through a lot of temptations and he wasn't even aware of them. But he came in with a humble spirit and goes, Lord, I thought I was living right. Teach me. Teach me what you want me to hear. That's why we encourage you uh, when you come in this morning, when we have times of uh, uh, music or worship and prayer before our sermons, that you go in with a prayerful attitude. Lord, help me to be humble. For some of us, it's hard to be humble. It's hard to kind of bow down to that and say, Teach me. Can you imagine if you were in school and you went in, maybe some of you young people are here this morning, and uh, you go into school and you sit down in the chair and you said, you know what, I'm not going to learn anything today because I know more than that teacher does. We know those people in class, don't we? I've had class with those people who come in and say, you're not going to teach me anything. I already know more than you anyway. That's a hard thing to get through to them, to understand, listen, this isn't even going to go anywhere because you have an attitude that is, that is so elated, that is so beyond humbleness, you'll never be teachable. Do you have an attitude of being teachable? Rick Warren, a pastor out in California, says, when it comes to listening to God's word and applying it, it's the hardest step. He says, I understand it's a hard step because Satan fights it so intensely. Satan doesn't mind you going to Bible studies as long as you don't do anything with what you learn. He says we fool ourselves when we assume that just because we had heard or read or studied a truth that we have internalized it. A lot of people think I, you know, I came to church or I read my devotions. I got it. I'm good. The temptation isn't whether or not we, we read or are here on Sunday mornings to hear God's word. The temptation is are we actually going to do something about it? That's where the temptation comes in. Are you going to internalize it? So we can listen all day. We can say, yeah, I've listened. I'm quiet. But the question is, as it looks at James, is are you applying God's word? Are you applying God's word? How do we apply God's word? First, we need to apply God's word without deception. Without deception. I love verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone like who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We pray every, I always pray every time we're preaching that, Lord, that I pray that we aren't just hearers of the word, but what will be doers of it as well. Because it's no good if we just come in and hear God's word. It's a whole other thing if we go out and internalize it. It's a whole other thing to go out and internalize it. And then James uses this illustration of a mirror. Someone looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Some of us, as we get older, look in the mirror and want to forget about what we look like, don't we? I see some people shaking their head and going, I haven't looked in the mirror in a long time. I would encourage you, you do need to look in the mirror every once in a while. 
I do not get up every morning and look in the mirror and go, God, you're so good. (laughs) Amen. No. But I do know what I look like. You know what you look like when you look in the mirror. Some of us love looking in the mirror, don't we? Love seeing pictures of ourselves, don't we? I've seen your social media pages. I know. You love to see your pictures of yourself. But what's great about this is, you know, we think about a mirror. We think about the mirrors that we see, these glass mirrors that are perfect reflections. This is not the same kind of mirror that was that they had back then. In fact, in the New Testament, the mirrors were actually a lot more archaic. They were like polished brass or bronze. Okay. The, the really expensive ones were made of silver, but even, even those mirrors weren't that good. And you had to really carefully clean this mirror. And you had to adjust it in the best light to make sure it has an accurate picture. That's what James is talking about. The question isn't whether or not you look in the mirror and, and reflect see what you see. The question is, is, are you looking at Scripture and then looking at yourself? Is it an accurate reflection of what you see? Is it an actual reflection of what you see? And a lot of people say, well, sure, I, I hear the message and I go out and I, and I live that life. Let me encourage you. Because I think James is talking about something different here. The key here is this. Maybe we don't want to remember what we look like. It's not anything to do with listening. But maybe we don't want to remember because we look at ourselves and the only thing we see is sin. The only thing we see when we look in the mirror is we don't see the physical. We look at all the issues that we just had, all the things that we're dealing with, all the guilts, all the faults. And we walk out feeling so guilty going, you know what? I can never be good enough for anything. God could never use me. Look at my life. When we're talking about adjusting the mirror so you can see, it's very clear. The Lord Jesus died for us and wants to have a relationship with us. We confess our sins. He's faithful. He's just. Cleanses us of all unrighteousness. But yet some of us still feel that weight, that guilt. And so when we look in the mirror, we don't remember what we see. It's not because we don't remember our face. It's because what we see is we see the guilt and the shame of our own past. God sees something different. God sees something different. That's why the scripture, if you go back to the scripture, it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but by doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Isn't that amazing? That gives freedom. Isn't it wonderful to know that the things that we're dealing with, the stuff in our life, the earwax, the moral filth in our own life, that we can come in, we can lay it at the feet of Jesus, and we can walk out of here washed, white as, white as uh, a sheet, white as new, walk out of here knowing that there's no guilt, no shame. Isn't that amazing? Someone once said, our eyes see the storms, faith sees Noah's rainbow. Your eyes may see your faults. Your faith sees a Savior. Your eyes may see your guilt. Your faith sees His blood. Your eyes look in the mirror and see a sinner, a failure. But by faith, you look in the mirror and see a robed prodigal bearing the ring of grace on your finger and the kiss of your Father on your face. Some of us need to do that. need to look in the mirror and go, you know what? It's not about the faults. It's about what Jesus has already done for me. 
And I know he can use me in a mighty, mighty way. And I want him to teach me. I want to be humble. I want him to speak to me in my own life. Are you doing that? Are you applying God's word without deception? Finally, are you, or secondly, are you applying God's word without selfishness? Look at verse 27. Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Are you looking at your own life? Are you applying God's word? Are you selfless? Are you thinking about other people? Not only the widows and the orphans, but how is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect my wife or my children? How is this going to affect the people at my job? How is it going to affect people that do not know the Lord? How is it going to affect them? We need to apply God's word with selfishness. This is a true test of a believer. I love the fact, though, that it says we need to look after orphans and widows. We do this here at Christ Church. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Our missions opportunities in Dominican Republic gave us the opportunity to to adopt a child. Many of you have an adopted child in Dominican Republic. Many of you did that with our Encounter uh, Uganda mission many years ago as well, where you adopted a pastor, where you came alongside and helped those in their distress, helped those in times of need. We also have a wonderful widow's ministry here. I actually just met with uh, the director of our widow's ministry, and they had a wonderful uh, meeting a few um, uh, weeks back where the widows came and they prayed over the widows and they helped the widows. And I love the fact that our men's ministry gives opportunities to help the widows. That's what scripture is saying. Listen, we apply God's word with selfishness. It's not about us. It's about helping others. Are you applying God's word with selfishness in your own life? We apply it without deception. We apply it without selfishness. Finally, we apply it without compromise, don't we? This is the hardest one. Last verse of 27 says, To keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is tough. Students, young people, I know this is really hard for you. Because there's pressures to, to, to conform or, or do something or engage in various activities whether it's in relationships or with drinking or drugs or whatever it is, uh, things coming out of your mouth, making fun of people, whatever it is, there's always pressure on us. There's pressure on us as adults, too, to conform. We've got to have that right house. We've got to have that right car. If I just have this, if people would just see me with that, that's what being polluted by the world actually is. We've got to do without compromise. We can't say, well, we're going to do some of God's word or we're going to apply some of this to my own life. But yet I still want to have all this other stuff that I do. We've got to apply it without compromise. Are you doing that this morning? I love the fact that these things aren't easy, but James really encourages us, doesn't he? I'm not saying that following God's word is easy, but what I'm saying is, There is a way to do it. Are you listening intently to God's word, and are you applying it on a daily basis? James was not a perfect person. I am not a perfect person. I understand the world definitely is not a perfect place. I know many of you would agree to that as well. So the question is, as well, what is the standard? How do we live our life? We live our life through the scriptures, by looking at it, by understanding the actions and attitudes that we are to have. You know, this whole passage from James really mimics the parable of the sower, of what Jesus talked about. For the, the sower, there are four, uh, uh, four types of soil. And Jesus talked about how there was the, the hardened soil. And, the, and the, the, the farmer would go and throw seeds on 
The first one fell onto the ground. It fell onto the hard-packed ground that people would walk on. And this is the, this is the, some of us in life, it doesn't even penetrate. The, the seed that falls on like the, the hard-packed ground doesn't even go into the soil. There's some people that come into church that are so hardened by life, so hardened by things in life, the culture around them, or they've been uh, too many false advertisements or too many salesmen, too many issues in life, too much sadness and despair, that it doesn't even penetrate them. And they walk out so angry. They'll look at me as a pastor or a preacher or somebody else up here and they'll go, it's just a sales pitch. Then there's the the soil that fell on, um, on the thin layer of soil. In Galilee, all the soil underneath it is like limestone. And what would happen is it would get warm, and so the seeds would germinate real fast, but there was no roots. It couldn't go any lower. These are the folks that hear God's word, get excited about who Jesus is, and real quickly, they, they germinate. You, you see them, they come in, they, they're inspired by the music or the message. But as soon as it becomes obvious that the church maybe wants them to volunteer or to, to give their money or to, to help others out, and they quickly fall away, they're offended because they realize that the Christian walk, walking this way, isn't really a bed of roses. They're what we call fair-weather Christians. And then there's the hearts that are distracted, the ones that fall in the thorny soil. What happens with the thorny soil is that all the thorns, all the weeds are growing up around it. And so these are the people that come in, Christians who, who may really want to follow God's word, but all these distractions in life, all these pressures, all these things for success, all this pressure on their time and money and energy, these cheap thrills, they get tangled up and then they wither. And then there's the response of hearers. The ones that say, you know what, I want to be hearer of God's word, but I want to be doers of it as well. I'm going to put away the distractions. I'm going to put away the idea that this is going to be easy, that maybe that the culture won't accept me. I'm going to put that away because Jesus says, I've got to take up my cross and follow him. Is that you this morning? Is that you? I hope it is. I hope that when you come in that we can be receptive to God's word and then apply it as well. We're going to come to the communion table here in a minute. And I know Doug's going to lead us through that. And there's going to be a time where we, we, we confess our sins. Why? Because we want to come in a worthy manner. We want to say, Lord Jesus, I'm dealing with this stuff in life and I really want to give it back to you. That's what, that's what this can be all about. I really want to hear your voice. I really want you to talk to me, but I can't because I have all these distractions in life. This morning, I want to encourage you. Not just to be hearers of God's word, but be doers of it as well. Matthew 7 is a wonderful verse. It says, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. There's always going to be pressures. There's always going to be issues of our time. There's always going to be doubts. There's always going to be worries. There's always going to be things in our own life. The question is, is can we put those aside to come in on Sunday mornings or in our Bible studies or in our times of devotion and say, you know what, Lord Jesus, I really want to hear you and I want to follow after you. So, Lord Jesus, I don't want to be just hearers of the word. I want to be doer. I'll be a doer of it as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you teach us in your word. We thank you for the fact that we can be hearers of the word. So help us to listen carefully. 
Help us to listen with a humble heart, knowing that you're trying to teach us. You're trying to help us. Lord, help us to really apply it. Father, there are many distractions. There's so many things pushing us in our culture to live a certain way, Lord Jesus. Help us to get rid of those distractions. Like the farmer who weeds out the thorns and the, the weeds in his, in his field before he plants a seed. Lord, help us to weed those out. Lay them at your feet, Lord, so that we can grow not only and flourish and bear fruit, but grow deep and wide, connected to you at all times. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you died for us, that you rose again, and that you're here with us. We give this all back to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. And we ask all this in your name. 